Thanks to Sunday for supporting another mother runner. Sunday makes taking care of your lawn easier than ever. Let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn this spring. Visit GetSunday.com AMR to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. We can all use some help these days. Make it better help. For 10% off your first month, go to BetterHelp.com AMR. Start living a better life today. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. If you're like me, you might spend too much time wondering what you'd do if running were no longer an option for you. As many of you know, thanks to chronic lower back slash hip slash hamstring issues, that situation came to fruition for me in 2017 and 2018. It was a long season of reckoning. That said, I'm happy to report I am still moving forward on two wheels and in the pool with joy and purpose. I am just a study of one, though, and today we're going to chat with two women who have had to climb some pretty high physical obstacles, Uh, two hip surgeries and a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. Not only did these two do so with grace and perspective, but both have continued to run. I'm hoping that these two resilient women and the conversations I have with them Um, might help you quiet those what-if voices in your head or help you reframe an injury or illness you're currently dealing with. So um, first up, we're going to talk to Kathy Pate, who is a retired attorney and mother of two who currently lives in Houston, uh, but she's lived in Chicago, Boston, and New York City, home of all the major marathons. Um, Kathy is a former collegiate cheerleader and coxswain um, and who now runs, walks, and plays tennis with a metal, a metal hip that we're going to get into, how um, complex and uh, diverse the choices are now. So first of all, Kathy, you have to tell us about your early athletic days. The, when I saw you as a cheerleader and a coxswain, <laughs> I immediately was like, oh my right? gosh, you must be like, what, are you pretty um, petite? Yes. Yes. I am, I am um, the opposite of you. I'm not, I'm very high challenged. <laughs> so if I do my hair really well, I can get to 5'2". Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So did you have like a gymnastics background or yes. what? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's really what ruined probably all of the, um, all my joints. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've dislocated or broken so many bones in gymnastics that, you know, and the knees started, the surgery started in high school. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And did you, did tell us how long you kept up your gymnastics career? So I did, um, competitive gymnastics and competitive tennis. Um, really through middle school and realized I was never going to make the Olympic gymnast team. <laughs> um, but I was pretty good at tennis. So um, I stayed with tennis. And actually, when I thought when I was going to college, I went to play tennis. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, managed to dislocate my kneecap the first week there. So oh, that was God. the end of tennis. And I was in an immobilizer. They keep your leg straight. Um, and um, uh, there was a huge crew team which you know about. Yeah. And so you went to, we should say you went to Harvard. So, I mean, we're yes. not like keeping it a secret. So you were very, it's a very Ivy league school, very rowing centric, right? Right. Huge yeah. rowing. And so the freshman men are all required to row freshmen, whether they have experience or not. So there was about a hundred men, uh, 18 year olds trying out for the Harvard crew team and they didn't have coxswains. Okay. And um, the year before me, it was their first female coxswain and she ended up winning the nationals for them. So, Wow. Um, uh, the, the 
some of the hundred guys just thought since I couldn't move anyway and my leg was stuck, um, I should come down to the dock and I never looked back. Wow. And um, I ended up, I didn't play tennis for probably 15 years after that. I just became a, a crew junkie. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, did you get Cox? Did you end up coxing after college being a coxswain after college? I did not. So I did, um, I did the men's team for two years. Um, and they sandbagged me cause I didn't weigh enough. Um, oh, so sure. for men, <laughs> uh, people who don't know rowing coxswains have minimum weights, right? Yes. Yes. So um, it, it wasn't a literal the minimum weight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a really, you didn't sandbag the races. They literally put sandbags in the coxswain little pit with you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. Um, although at Harvard, what they had us do was carry tools to fix the boat okay. just in case, right? There, It was more useful than sand. Yeah. Uh, and then I did the last two years. Um, my roommate was a, an Olympic medalist rowing. Wow. And so um, they needed a female coxswain. And um, I had had a lot of experience at Henley and other uh, places with the men. And so they switched me to the women for two years um, and the deal was if I coxed my junior year um, and we won the national championship, they would let me row, lightweight rowing. Um, and we won the national championship, but they never let me row. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> they were like, no, we don't, no. we do not need a five foot two person rowing. So, <laughs> wow. But, wow. Well, so how did you start running, Kathy? Oh, well, you know, I ran, um, you just, you, you ran for gymnastics. I ran for tennis. Um, so I've always run for other sports. Um, sure. And then um, when I met my husband, who was like an all-American um, track star, he was a miler. Wow. Um, we met in New York City after college and I decided to run the New York City Marathon. And I just sort of decided in May, having never really run, and I ran it in November. So back then you could get in. Yeah, no, I know. Well, so I, I found I found you through uh, the surveys. Well, I know about you, but I found your story through the surveys that we did for Many Happy Miles. So mm -hmm. tell me about, I mean, because you kind of have a funny story about um, a colleague of yours, who, because it was, I mean, it was a it was a race to the post office to get your yes. stamp to get the New York <laughs> City application, right? Right. So this is, um, what, 88. Uh, is that right? 89. The, yep. the marathon would be 89. And then in the spring, and we lived in New York City. And he had run several New York City marathons and how it worked in the old days was you, um, he had his doorman find out when they were going to mail the applications out to you. you, signed up for it and they mailed it and his doorman called us at the office and we all left the office immediately and picked up our application and um, you fill it out and then you go to a specific post office in Midtown to, um, there was a little like separate mailbox slot in the wow. middle of this post office and that was how you were assured that you'd get in. That's that's so great. I I um this I didn't do that for Sarah, but I did mail my <laughs> application once from New York City to to make it look like I think she was a resident or to get it in faster or something like that. I can't <laughs> I remember. Know. We were trying to game the system a little bit. So um, you kind of had to. It was that was such an amazing marathon. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I did love you, doing that. Yeah. Did you continue doing um, marathons after that? Obviously, or did you continue um, running? I I continued running, but I didn't do um sort of life got in the way, yeah. right? And um, I didn't run. And then we ended up moving to Chicago and I had two children. Um, my first daughter was born on Mother's Day in oh, 1994, nice. right? Um, and she was born um, the night before my last law school final. So oh, I missed wow. that final. And then, um, <laughs> so she went to like bar review classes and a little snuggly with me. And 
the other thing is she we moved at four days old. So we moved from Chicago, oh, sorry, from New York City when she was four days old to Chicago. So wow. it was, it became a little bit crazy then. But so I didn't really run marathons. I just ran for fun. Yeah, sure. Your plate was pretty full. Yeah. <laughs> As most, most moms of young kids are. Um, well, so when, so you kind of talked about how you had a, a crash bang childhood as far as injuries, <laughs> but when did your hip, was it your hip that started giving you issues that, that you knew that you had to deal with it through running or kind of talk about the evolution yeah. of how you came to get a replacement? Well, the, knee, the left knee had been blown out a couple of times. Um, okay. I had surgery on it in 2008. Okay. To um, to clean it up, and they did the micro fissures where they drill holes in the long bones, and then the bone marrow comes up and it regrows your cartilage. And it, that's my best leg; it's a great leg, and um, <laughs> it's the one I rely on totally. It's my and, best leg. Um, it is. <laughs> and um, but and then I ran the 2015 Chicago Marathon, and I was racing a lot. I really wanted to do the Rocky Raccoon. That's kind of my bucket list thing sure. here in Houston. And um, I don't know, I have to figure out how I can do that, but I'm, I'm going to do that. I just haven't figured out how yet. Okay. And um, it's an ultra marathon for people who are not on trails. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I got to pace my friend Katie down there. Maybe you could come in as a pacer for like- I would do a pace, I would pace. At the end of, you know, at the end when it's more, you know, when they're running, you know, jogging slash walking, you know, kind of, and being a part of it, um, just a thought. No, I would do it, I would totally do that. I can also just bring food, which is, you know, <laughs> that's part of being a pacer. Um, and so that went great. And then I ran the 2016 marathon and some, and we lived on mile five. I don't know if you've ever run Chicago. I haven't, um, but. Our home was right on mile five, which is near the, the lakefront in the park where you're coming across um, in the early stages of the race. And I remember passing my husband, said, something's really not right. And, um, and I'm not a speedy runner by any means anyway. And um, my 2015 was about four, I forget, four and a half hours, something like that. Anyway, so this is not like I'm, I'm setting world records here. Yes, and um, I had gotten tripped in 2016 in those first miles because it's a very tight race. And I think, I, and what happened, I found out later, I tore the labrum, which is the cartilage that lines the hip socket. Yes. But I finished the race because, you know, you're in a marathon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're always going to feel uncomfortable, right? Sure. It, it, you just get used to that as a runner. You're always going to feel uncomfortable. So I just finished the race. And then it took months to figure out, like, by slowly, I couldn't walk. I couldn't get in and out of the car. Um, and when they found out that I had the first hip surgery and that went great. And um, the week before that surgery, I ran the Disney Wine and Dine. Wow. And that was wow. terrific. Um, and then I had the surgery and that was, I did a huge um, rehab. Okay. And so I'm part of the, um, a, a sports orthopedic group here that um, the doctors work on the Houston Texans and the Houston Astros and the ballet. And so it was so fun to do rehab and you'd see dancers next to you and professional athletes and you, you really get a good mindset about how to do rehab. Yeah, that's got to um, be pretty inspiring, huh? Just to see. It really was. They're and fighting for their livelihood, a, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And um, it gave me a very good attitude about it, too. It's just it's just your job. It's what you do. Because at one point, I think I was doing re like rehab between the icing and the stuff at home and the stuff there. It was like six hours a day. And then one guy was like, yeah, but that's just my job. And I thought, well, that's a good way to look at it, right? Yeah, this yeah. This is just how I get from A to B. Yeah. Um, 
and then I went back and I ran marathons and half marathons after that. And then um, in 20, gosh, it's like the pandemic year, like wipes out a year, doesn't it? It kind of your does. whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 2019, I, I remember I went to the, uh, my daughter and I run have run, I, I don't even know, 13 or 14 Disney races now. And um, she was running the marathon and I was running the half marathon in January, 2019. And I think, and everything just fell apart right after that. That went great and it yeah. fell apart and they, it just disintegrated and the femur turned outward. So it damaged the knee as well, Oh, geez. which is what I'm dealing with now. Okay. Um, but the hip replacement, oh my gosh, easiest surgery ever. Please don't put it off. If anybody's thinking about it, you're up and walking within an hour of getting out of the recovery room. You're still high on drugs and you're, <laughs> you know, but you're out, you're walking and, yeah. um, and it's not with crutches. You're walking with a walker for balance. So you don't trip or something, Sure. but you're full weight on your legs. Yeah. Um, and we had, because it was a sports clinic, we took pictures and videos along the way. And, um, on day 20, I was back on the tennis courts. Holy cow. Holy so moving, moving fully or moving. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm not running. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I had a sure. Pro hit to me, but you know, hitting full on shots. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, so um, you can do it. It's a great fast surgery. Yeah. They're so like hip replacement. The hip replacement, the hip, the, the surgery for the labrum tear took longer. It sounds like much longer, much longer, huge, huge, much longer rehab. Um, you have crutches, you're, you can't wait there. Um, you have to be very careful because there's a lot of soft tissue. So you have a lot of restrictions as to, um, how much you can bend, how much you can bend forward, stand up. Um, you're on those, have you seen the treadmills where you're, you're kind of in a little skin diver suit and they blow you up with air. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't think of what they're called right now, but the, like the anti-G ones or something yes. like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. The anti-gravity treadmills, exactly. Um, and I was really blessed to have this, this sports team. I think part of it was, you know, they wanted to figure out if their fancy orthopedic skills could translate to a middle-aged woman who sure. wanted to be an athlete as opposed to just, you know, these 20 you know, these 20 year olds, professional football players, it's a different, they have a different ability to bounce back than someone my age, sure, right? So I'm sure. 56. Yeah. Um, and I was happy to be a guinea pig in this group. Sure. Yeah. You know. Well, and so you were talking, I was asking you earlier if you had a titanium hip. Yeah. Or, and you're like, oh no, I wanted something more bomb proof. So tell me us about kind of your choices <laughs> right? about your hip replacement as far as what's available now. I mean, it sounds, pretty so, remarkable so there's um and i'm forgetting one of the metals it'll come to me maybe but so a hip replacement is four pieces right so there's an eight inch spike that they drive down into the femur with a mallet if you've ever watched the videos of the surgery it's kind of crazy um, they literally just I take a to. mallet and drive an eight inch <laughs> that's titanium so you're okay. right that is titanium okay um but um there's a ball and then there's a cup that gets wedged into the, the pelvis, right? Okay. So um, I have a polyurethane, which is an incredibly hard plastic they would use on like rocket ships, right? Yeah. So I have polyurethane, um, I think I get this right. The cup itself is polyurethane, it's plastic, mm -hmm. and the ball is porcelain. Wow. Which is incredibly wow. hard. And then I have two three inch screws that kind of go like that across the top and um 
Some people don't have any screws. I happen, my surgeon's like, ah, we just thought be more stable. So I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's in there. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And those are a different metal. But um, the polyurethane and the porcelain is something newer um, that they're using. But I think um, important for runners, um, and I learned this from a tennis playing buddy of mine, if you're going to have hip surgery, um, if you can, I would wholeheartedly ask your doctor to have anterior approach. Okay. So as a traditionally it goes through your rear end and it's a big, massive 10 inch scar. Um, and it cuts all the glute muscles. They have to go, you have to cut through a lot of tissue, right. Okay. To get to your hip. And traditionally that's, it's always done from the posterior, the new way, which is what I did. Um, it's a four inch scar. It starts about, if you had like a high cut bikini on, it would start center of your thigh, right at about where your bikini would start if it were high cut and it's four inches goes right down. That's it. And, um, the surgery is you're kind of on a Y shaped table. I mean, you're knocked out, so you don't care. And they drop one of your legs and pop the femur out from the front, but they spread the muscles so they don't cut any of the muscles or nerves. That's oh, why the recovery was, was so, so fast quick, for me. Quick, yeah, that is yeah, great, because they don't is... cut muscles and they don't cut a lot of more. You know, they don't cut the same whoops, the same nerves. Yeah, and they don't cut this. So if you can, um, I would ask for it. Okay. Well, and, and there's also about... a direct approach, which I didn't use, but I've also been told that it's also fast and very good for athletes. So if you want to return to running, I would definitely ask for anterior. Okay. I love that. That's a really good, good tip. Do you remember your first run back after your hip replacement? I do. So um, we live right near here, uh, Rice University. Okay. Um, down here in Houston. And I went over to, they have a dirt track. And, um, and I just tried to do like a, you know, run for a minute. Yeah. And then walk for a minute and then run for a minute. And, um, uh, it was just so, you're so happy just to be moving forward again. Um, yeah. And not just walking, which, you know, I'm a big fan of walking, but it's not, it's not some running. freedom. Yeah, it's not running. It's not it's running. It's just not yeah. the same. Yeah. Um, but that said, I go back to the very first Love the Run You're With. Um, do you remember the training program for, um, like, for the easy mode? I forget yeah. what they called it in that. Yeah that segment, but it was one minute walking, one minute running, and then, it, you know, minute and a half running. And I think it might've maxed out at four minutes of running and one minute of walking. Even now I'll just go back and do that. I just keep doing the same month over and over and over again, you know? And I'm like, ah, it works for me. That's great. You know? That's great. And well, and it gives you, does it give you that kind of, I mean, so many of us come to running for like a, an emotional release, you know, a little bit of a connection with our spirit, you know, it's not really about, how fast or how far you go, but it's more what it brings to your whole being. Do you get that feeling when you get to go do something like that? I totally do. And it's, oh, you know, good. you realize it's just, and in fact, I think I'm actually faster now when I'm only doing like, if I know I'm only going to run for three minutes, Yeah, you can be yeah. faster. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's kind of, it's interesting how that works out. I'm really excited after this next surgery um, to um, go back and try a half marathon. Wow. 
Could have. Um, Gosh, again. I can't stop saying wow. I can't. I mean, you're, yeah, because I do. Again, like, see, why I not? Hip, I think hip replacement, and I think no way are you ever going to run again. But oh gosh, you know, but but I'm not yeah. very educated, which is exactly why we wanted to well, talk to you about it. The hip, it's such an, it's so easy. Um, like I said, I had a, I had a great team, but as on painkillers, maybe a day and a half, wow, two days. Wow. Um, you you just your body just takes to that body part really well, easily. We're going to talk about your, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about your next, you're going to have a knee replacement a little bit. We're going to talk about that in a second, but I just want you to come back for a minute and go back, put yourself back in rehab and talk about, because you you wrote on the survey in the Many Happy Miles survey, you talked about it like um, you documented your success, right? Mm -hmm. And this was probably for the labrum is my guess, but um, you know, you documented your mm-hmm. success, you showed what you could do, and then you could look back and see. And I, I mean, I could tell just by reading your survey that you just radiated positivity. I'm sure you had bad days. I mean, we all have bad days oh, gosh. as humans, but yeah. talk a little bit about like how you kind of kept yourself like, Hey, this is going to be okay. I got one body and it's not perfect right now, but it's going to get there. But it does a whole lot for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did it for both. It was part of our, um, part of this program that I was with. Okay. Um, um, we took videos of progress and, and, um, and I also, I filled out little, I had like a journal and I think everybody should do this because you'll be amazed one week to the next. And, and you definitely have down days. You have days where you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's taking me so long. And all I want to do is walk around the block and not feel like I've, you know, run a half marathon. You know? Sure. And, um, or there are days in Houston when it's, you know, a hundred degrees. Um, I had the first, the hip surgery in June oh, wow. when it was a hundred degrees in Houston and you know, your legs swell up. I learned the hard way, not, I had never spent a summer here. And, um, I learned that it's not a good idea in Texas <laughs> to <laughs> go out and try to like walk post-surgery because you, your whole body just swells up and you get really, it's depressing Yeah, and you can't move and you can't get out of the chair or you can't get out of the couch, um, or you can't make it to the bathroom fast enough. You know, it's just those things that you take for granted, right? Sure. But but then you look back at your journal and you realize, wow, but you know, three days ago, I couldn't even like make it up the three stairs to my kitchen. Or, um, and I think that's really important. And and now the sec- having the replacement and then also being able to look back at the, um, and we did it with videos as well for sports. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, what I was walking, how I was walking, when I was running, when I was playing tennis. And um, it's good to be able to look back and realize, okay, well, I've been at this point before. You know, I've had this low moment before. And it goes, you get beyond it. And you just have to remember, it's okay to have a low moment because everybody does. Not every day can be a peak day, right? Sure. And sure. you just go forward and it's, I, I don't know, I, th- I think you just have to have that mindset you can't get bogged down in a bad day sure awesome well so talk about so you are gonna go again um we're gonna get yes. more metal in your body and maybe porcelain and all those things i don't know what this is yeah <laughs> okay. I, I don't know as much um when i had before i had the hip surgery like i said the femur had turned outward and your body is not made to walk with the bone facing one direction and the other bones facing the other sure. and it really and honestly my all the gymnastics and you know the bludgeoning that it took from that um i this i don't think in any way this is running related okay it's really just 
pretty much all of my friends who are gymnasts have, you know, bad backs, bad hips, bad something. Sure. Um, sure. So yeah, on April 29th, I'm going to have my knee replaced. So you, so and, your left leg is going to continue to be your good leg, right? Yeah. And your right That's my leg, best leg. <laughs> that's your best leg. And your right leg will have a hip and a knee, right? Yes. Okay. And is there any tips you would have? I mean, are you, do you have any like little, uh, you know, going, is it, is there only one way to do it or are there, is there a certain way that it's better for there, athletes? You can do partial knee replacements, just like partial hip replacements. Although I was told most women can't do partial hip replacements because they just not enough surface area. Okay. Um, but my knee is too far gone for partial. So we're just going to go straight, go for it, do the whole thing. Um, the one thing they are having me do is, um, I'm doing a ton of, uh, prehab PT right now. Oh, that's smart to get, um, as much strength and, um, flexibility back. But can I just say that it's pretty much the same stuff you've been doing in, um, many hip mouths. Oh, good. Right? Lots it's of the same bridges, clamshells <laughs> and lunges and bridges. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all of that. And, um, I would do that. The other thing I would, if someone is planning on having any kind of lower body surgery, um, whether it's hip or anything, you should, well, you should do push-ups, and you should make sure you have a strong upper body. Cause you're going to be lifting your body up oh. with your arms so much, right. Especially like with the hip, just to get out of a couch, you might have to do, you know, lift yourself with your body to get it in and out. And, um, I know some of the um, therapists and doctors said that they have trouble, not with their group because it's professional athletes, but um, with people who are not professional athletes, they don't realize that they're going to have to lift their body up and, and, you know, really be strong in an upper body. So if you are thinking about that, don't just, you know, do your glutes and knees, do your, do your arms, do your pecs and your biceps and triceps. That's, that's great. That's a great idea. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kathy, we wish you the best. I will see you out on the Rocky Raccoon at some point. Yes. I know you're going to be there shining your light somehow. Um, <laughs> and uh, and good luck with everything. And thank you for sharing your story. I really, it, it really makes me happy. I mean, I, I, I not that you had to go through it, but that you come through, you can talk about it. It's all good. Grace. Yeah, it's all good. You have your good leg and you have your leg. That's a little bit that I just, I just really appreciate your perspective because like I said, at the, in the intro, it's hard sometimes to imagine what would, what it look like when it doesn't look like today. Right. And, um, and so to get to the point that, you know what, like, oh, Kathy did it, look what she did and look at, I mean, you know, you're, you're a rock star. So Ah, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Coach Liz here. And like many runners out there, you know, I have a competitive streak. So when I learned our neighborhood had a golden curb contest, I knew I had to be all in enter Sunday more than a lawn care product. Sunday is a customized lawn plan that works with nature. Sunday takes out all of the guesswork and the unwanted chemicals so you can grow a beautiful lawn that's better for people, pets, and the planet. Not to mention, put you in the running for best lawn on the block. Sunday uses actual satellite imagery of your home to determine exactly what you need based on important things like soil, temperature, and region. Plus, you can add on all sorts of stuff to prevent mosquitoes or other lawn pests. And the best part? It's all natural, so the kids and pets can run all over the lawn without a worry. But you know what I like most about Sunday? How simple it is. From navigating the website, customizing my plan, delivery and use with a ready to use pouch to attach to a garden hose, I spend less time working on my lawn and more time sitting back, watching it green up and enjoying my life. 
With Sunday, there's no way I can't win the Golden Curb Contest. Let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn this spring. Visit GetSunday.com slash AMR to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom lawn plan at GetSunday.com slash AMR. Just like doing that first workout on a training plan, reaching out for professional help is an important step toward increased happiness or achieving your goals. BetterHelp is here to, yes, help. You can start communicating with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is convenient, professional, and affordable. You get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and send a message to your counselor anytime. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. That was really important to me when I considered first using the service. As was knowing that BetterHelp offers a broad range of licensed professional counselors who specialize in a wide range of issues, including, but not limited to, depression, stress, anxiety, anger, grief, trauma, and sexual or gender identity. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. That was not a surprise to me. I was so relieved to try BetterHelp. For months, literally months, I'd been trying to find a counselor who could help my husband and I navigate the teenage years with our twins better. Well, good luck trying to find an in-person therapist accepting new patients. With BetterHelp, we were talking to someone within days. Start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com AMR. Join more than 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com AMR for 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com AMR. Um, next up is Lindsay McRoberts, who is a closing agent at a title company and a mother of two boys in Manhattan, Kansas. And Lindsay was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in 2020. And she's here to spill some of those details and uh, and talk about how she's doing today. So welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. So tell us before we get into into the you know medical part of this. How did you start running? What, what prompted you to start running? Um, I wanted to start running uh, before my first son. Um, I had this thing that I wanted to run a half marathon for some reason. And so I looked up a training plan, but didn't actually have a race on the calendar yet. And then within a few weeks, knew I was pregnant with my kid. And so um, it wasn't a big deal at first. Like I knew I could run through and train through being pregnant, but every time I would run and get home from a run, I'd be spotting. And even though the doctor said everything was fine, I couldn't get it out of my head that something was going to go wrong. And sure. so through that pregnancy, I just walked, I didn't do anything, um, running wise, but then, um, after that pregnancy, I ended up training for my first half, which ended up being one of our like inaugural halves in the area in Manhattan. Um, and I've been running pretty much ever since. Awesome. Awesome. And were you, did you play sports in, in high school or when you were growing up or did running kind of come out of nowhere? Um, I did just sports, whatever the school had to offer. I think I did volleyball and, um, I was a cheerleader in high school. I did track and field until my senior year when I broke my foot. Um, just having fun, broke my foot and lost that whole <laughs> season my senior year, which oh, okay. happens to just happen. So 
other than that, no, I wasn't super active through high school. Well, it sounds like it. You were in track. I mean, it sounds like you were, you know, as active as your average teenager. So that's great. And so, um, so tell us about, um, how did your like diagnosis come about, uh, with rheumatoid arthritis when like kind of just kind of describe how the, the sequence of events. Yeah. Um, so actually, um, after between, I, between my two sons, um, I ended up having the flu, which then killed my thyroid, uh, just my body, my immune system attacked my thyroid and knocked it out. And so when I got the flu, I ended up getting the flu early, like around my son's birthday, January, into January, 2020, um, that set off just like in my immune system kind of going haywire again. And, um, by March, I, we had been home off and on COVID hadn't really sunk in hard yet, but, um, I had start getting like more than normal achiness after running and being active and doing things. Um, sleep became really difficult. Like my neck and my shoulders were super tight. Like I couldn't hardly roll over in bed without pain and it just progressively got worse weeks and months down the line. Um, and so I thought at first that one of the symptoms of your thyroid being out of whack is also just like muscle or joint pain. And so I had my labs done and my thyroid numbers came out great. Keep on the same medication, die, everything, everything was great. So I asked my medical provider, I was like, Hey, can I get something like an inflammation panel, something like that. And she just had me tell her some of the things I was feeling. And she's like, yeah, sure. Just go on over and get your lab work done again. We'll get that checked. And it came up that my inflammation panel was positive, which is either positive or negative, which is kind of really broad. But you have to have over a certain amount of inflammation for it to be positive for an inflammation disorder. And so... They did further digging, more testing. I ended up seeing a rheumatologist who did x-rays on like my more problematic areas, which for me was my wrists all the time. I literally was picking up my, at the time, six month old with my forearms because I couldn't hardly put weight in my hands. Um, And just him being an active little kid, kicking and doing things would almost bring me to tears when he would kick me in the arms. And so um, they did x-rays that showed that I had like, uh, I think what they said was um, pre-arthritic type like breakdown um, in my wrists already. And then my um, labs came back actually that I was negative for RA, but every other presentation of RA, like the swelling, the pain, all the different things pointed towards RA. And so that's what I've been on treatment plan for ever since. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you got that. I mean, it sounds like that started in March and you got your inflammatory panel in June. I mean, that's a a long time to be in chronic pain and then to finally get an answer. I mean, that's months and months. And especially with a new, I mean, I can just picture, (laughs) I'm not laughing because it's not funny, but trying to pick up a newborn without your wrists is like, you know, trying to run. I haven't haven't been able to do a push up in years because I've never been able to put that much weight on my wrist. And so it could have just been something that was slowly building to this. um, I think they call it like a flare up essentially Mm -hmm. where everything gets really bad, maxed out in pain and everything. 
but then it kind of dies down. And so if you get like sick or different things that cause your immune system to kind of react again, it can cause a flare up because your immune system is overreacting essentially. And so, sure. yeah. Wow. Well, so you, you finally get, you know, maybe not the exact diagnosis, but you're definitely presenting as having rheumatoid arthritis. What, you know, what are next steps? How do you get it under control? Yeah. So, um, just talking with the doctor at first, before I had any clinical diagnosis, um, they just put me on just, um, anti-inflammatories, like high dose anti-inflammatories for that first I think it was three to four weeks after my initial diagnosis because the treatment plan for RA is essentially chemo. And so they didn't want to step into that right away because I was still breastfeeding. I was still doing all these things with my young child that um, they didn't want to hinder that. They didn't want to put pressure on me to stop doing that as long as I was able to maintain um, my sanity as far as like being able to move and actually live. Um, I guess the only half benefit, if there is ever any benefit to COVID, is that I got um, on furlough. And so I was home in some ways relaxing quite a bit more than I would have been otherwise if I was working. But um, yeah, definitely just taking it easy until we got that diagnosis. And ever since then, I've been basically on immune suppressing drugs, if you want to say it like that, um, to be able to maintain my immune system at a lower level so that my joints aren't in constant pain. Yeah. Um, I was looking at, I was doing my, my, my really uh, heavy journalistic research and I was looking at your Instagram account and I liked how you said like finding the right med uh, combination or situation is like a game of Tetris, right? It's, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, talk a little, was that frustrating? Do you feel like you've got it to the point now where you have it under control? Um, for the most part, I think, um, Every, and I don't, I haven't been able to, due to losing my job this past year, um, I haven't had um, steady health insurance. And so actually with my job that I'm doing now, I finally, my health insurance finally kicked in this month. And so I'm actually going within the next few days to get my blood panel done again to see where my inflammation levels are at. And um, if like it's affecting like my kidneys and different things, like those are things that typical chemo can affect. And so they just want to make sure that the treatment I'm on isn't treating other things badly. It's that everything is still working and succinctly so that it's not damaging other organs. And so I guess once I get that test, we'll have a better idea as far as um, how everything's being maintained right now. Um, It's something that I've been putting off because blood work with insurance isn't always cheap and without it, it definitely is not. And so... Um, the doctor's kind of been in contact with me, just messaging back and forth that he's okay if I'm missing these appointments, as long as he knows when I'm getting back into them. And um, yeah. That's good. I'm so uh, grateful, as I'm sure your family is, that you are going to be back into the loop. Um, that's scary. That's really scary. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it was real testy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, talk about your running. Uh, so, you know, going from your diagnosis through kind of your diagnosis and then kind of getting to the place where you are now. I, we did a little pre-interview chat and I was surprised to hear you. Um, you're running pretty, you know, you're running more than I would have expected you to. So um, I'll just leave it at that and let you spill the details. 
Yeah. Um, when, okay. So in 2020, when all of it started coming up, um, I was definitely moving a lot less. Um, the worst pain is first thing in the morning. Um, and it lasted anywhere from a couple hours to up to half the day. Um, and that was the most problematic time. And I was talking to my doctor about how if I had a feeling good 25 minute mile walk, I felt good for that day. I was getting to the point where it was down to like a 30 minute mile and that was tough. Sure. And so when that was happening, like he understood, cause I guess he's an active guy. I mean, he looks relatively fit and, um, he understood what verbiage I was saying. Like, I feel like if it wasn't somebody who was active, they'd be like, I don't exactly know what that means when it comes to how fast you're moving, but going from somebody who's like 12 minute mile easy to an 18 minute mile, heavy breathing, heavy heart rate, like it's really kind of soul crushing a little bit. Like it definitely takes, it took me some time to really just wrap my head around the fact that I'm doing what I can and that's the best I can do. And just doing what I can was really just the benefit to my body and the benefit to my mind and to keeping myself moving as much as I could. So I know, uh, Lindsay, us runner, we runners tend to like our GPSs, right? We know how far it is to a green mailbox, say that's half a mile away, or, you know, we just know our routes pretty well. So when you went out for those times, when you were just kind of in the middle of getting diagnosed and moving forward, what did you do mentally? Did you leave your GPS at home? Did you just say, I'm just going to go for 20 minutes and, and whatever it looks like, it looks like? I mean, I... I'm that person that's tried and true to my Garmin. I pretty sure there's some pretty <laughs> slow walking miles that are stuck in there somewhere last year. Um, I mean, it would kind of just be, I'd set out and see how I felt. And if I couldn't make it to the end of the block, then I knew I just needed to go home because mm -hmm. it was, it's less about just like, maybe it's less about just being constantly in pain but it's also just like that must that joint tightness where you don't feel like you're stable on your feet. Um, like if I was to trip on a crack, I would probably fall and break something because I wouldn't be able to stop myself. Sure. Um, so it was more just self-preservation and doing what I could and seeing where I could get day to day. Um, when I was on the inflammation reducing medication, um, I was able to get back to moving a little bit faster, not in running, but just like walking less than a 25 minute mile. Um, when I would hit like an 18 minute mile walk, I'm like, this feels really good. Maybe I should start trying to run again. And nice. so it was just kind of like a gradual build back as far as just giving myself some grace and some um, relief when it came to, I used to be so strict to a training plan that I really just didn't have a training plan. It was more just playing everything by feel. Yeah. Well, and talk about um, support. Did you have um, best running friends that you could talk to? Did you turn to Facebook? Because I can imagine that um, one of the things that helps a lot is knowing that you're not the only one going through something, even though sometimes when you're in the middle of something like this, it feels like you're like the lone soul on the planet, right? Yeah, and I um, just threw, having online friends through the years 
knew a friend of mine that has RA. And so I reached out to her and she gave me a handful of resources as far as um, other bloggers and Instagrammers that have RA and um, are dealing with it on a daily basis. Um, I started just looking up books about um, RA specifically um, and just kind of gauging the knowledge that's out there and how to really approach it because it was less of like a punch in the chest that I have this like disease that I'm going to have forever and more just like a relief that it's not in all in my head. Um, sure. Cause I feel like that's the first thing I think is like, this is just me over overstepping something like this isn't as bad as what it, it feels maybe like this could just be aging or whatever. And being in my mid thirties, I'm like, I shouldn't feel like an 80 year old, overnight like something is really actually wrong and I need to figure it out yeah yeah well and um I was doing I was actually doing some real not real your Instagram account is real research but I was just looking up some facts about um RA and it looks like movement is really prescribed heavily um maybe not running mm-hmm. half marathons but I mean did has your have, has your doctor talked at all about that or talked about any exercise limitations with you Um, He mostly just wants me to do what I can and what I'm feeling good about. Um, He knows that being active is just in my day to day. Um, I have two little boys and they're both crazy all over the place all the time anyway. And so I don't necessarily have the maybe luxury of just sitting by if I'm not feeling good. Like I'd rather be moving and doing things and, um, my husband cycles, like during COVID, we would go for long bike rides and different things. Like I would rather be doing something movement wise than just sitting on the couch. And so um, the movement definitely is something that is both recommended and in some ways therapeutic because it helps you kind of just get through some of that muscle soreness and anything like that too. Sure. So you, you are training for a half marathon in fact, right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how that's going? Sure. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm training for the virtual grandmas in um, June. Um, I'm a Bib Brave Pro Ambassador. And so that's one of the races that I've chosen to promote for this year. And so um, training's going well. I can't say I haven't missed runs, but probably less about being in pain and more just family obligations, um, being lazy and bad weather. Um, I feel like I've restarted my training plan multiple times because we had this like sub zero temperature thing come through a couple months back or whatever. And um, totally, I didn't have a gym membership necessarily at the time and it was not weather to be running outside in. And so um, I think overall my training is going well. I, it's funny in hindsight, foresight, whatever that, my goal, my running time goal is what used to be my easy pace mile. Like my goal is a 240 half marathon. But I mean, I even saying that it makes me kind of second guess that I can even really do it. Um, but with my training plan, I'm just using through my Garmin app. Um, mm-hmm. And it says that it's, it's in the green, the high green, almost into the purple, that it's confident that I can do it based off of the training and running that I've done with this training plan. So hopefully I can squeak out what I'm wanting, but if not, I mean, I think anything's better than nothing at all at this point. So 
Sure, sure. Well, and I mean, I'm sure that you, you've been told this a number of times and it's not, I mean, the fact that you're out there running a half marathon, you know, and I know it's hard not to compare what you were like, you know, before this all went down to what you are now, but who's to say that you're not going to, this is not the first race of a, of a stronger comeback, right? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I ran, um, was it, I ran Kansas city half this past fall but I broke it into chunks and it was, I mean, if I was running the actual event, they probably would have pulled me from the course, but with it being virtual, you really have that ability to do what you need to do in all the time that you have to do it. And so um, I did end up finishing that one, I think in like three and a half hours or something or three forty-five, something in that range. But mm-hmm. um, I was able to use my house as my aid station and I had like a four mile loop and I was definitely miserable by the end. And so I'm hoping with a better training block and just better everything, like I have more grasp of my pain and everything else at this point that I'm hoping that I can train better to be able to not be so miserable at the end. Sure, sure. Well, and so um, before we let you go, Lindsay, I'm just curious if somebody is listening and they have maybe they're in the middle of a diagnosis like rheumatoid arthritis or something similar, like some kind of inflammatory situation, what advice do you have for them? Um, Like I've given myself the same advice, give yourself some grace, Um, your body and your mind and everything else is going through a huge change. Um, If you can, like, at least for me, I give my husband all the gratitude in the world, probably not as much as I should, but um, at this point, like my medication dose is high enough that they recommend it be something that's an injection versus pills because the pills you have to take on at different times of the day so that you get full absorption of all of them. So at this point, I've been on injectable medication for the past six months, and he's my shot guy because even me looking at it makes me like my stomach stinks. Like I'm not afraid of needles, and really they're small enough that you can't even feel them. of the time, but like just that feeling of giving myself medication just drives me nuts. And so having just the frame of mind that you will get through this, this is a change. You can, you can do this. Like um, everything happens in some ways for another, for a reason. So just slow down a little bit, give yourself that grace and that time to really kind of reframe your mindset and everything else. Nice, nice. Well, that is a perfect ending. Reframe your mindset and keep moving forward. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for sharing your story with us. And um, good luck at Grandma's. It's a great great race, whether you're there in person or doing it virtually. So um, hope it goes well for you. Yeah, thank you. 